0: And it, yeah, so like the the, the Sierra cl- Club, like, um, you know, they're always like pro. Like, there's w- one pipeline getting built in in North Brooklyn, and you know they're protesting that, and they don't want. But it's like, you know, then like the next day, like they'll be doing like a press conference with IPPNY, which is like the association of of power producers. It's it's mostly like gas. I think there's some like. For-profit renewable develop, developers in there, and they'll do like a, a co-press release to, against like the 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 Hydro Quebec transmission line. So it's like they're they're working together one day, and then but like that that gas pipeline has to go there because like you you have you have to have a baseline energy. Hmm. Like if they if they stop the pipeline, I mean they'll they'll find another way to get the gas used. It'll just be more expensive. I'm not for the the pipeline being built. Yeah. yeah. In North Brooklyn, but it's like, like, you know, when you get rid of nuclear, like it, it, this was always inevitable. Every,
1: yeah.
0: every, um, reliability study on, on it, the closure of Indian Point, whether that was commissioned by Riverkeeper, whether it was by, uh, NISO, um, New York Independent System Operator, I think I got that right, um, every every reliability assessment said you're going to have to have natural gas to replace nuclear
1: natural gas is pretty much
0: always fracking or it's
1: only sometimes fracking
0: that i don't i mean i I don't really know like the technical aspects of that. I, I do know that New, that New York banned um, fracking in state, but it's like, what's the difference if, I mean, all, something I, I learned like when I recently, and I only got into energy, like I I wouldn't, I didn't know that before I started working um, for the Senate, I didn't know anything about, um, about energy, but, um, it's like the the standards that they use are all fudged, like and you could and like they're very. It's like it, it, it's very lawyerly language in the sense that like they're like well, seventy percent of generation, that can mean that say you know in the state of New York you produce X you know uh, you know megawatts you know per, per year like seventy percent seventy percent of that would have to be from renewables. But then like you know like when the wind's blowing and like you know you have maximum capacity on the grid, you can just sell that elsewhere or like, you know, or the grid's like paying you for the.
1: So you, so you, um, you don't have a background in energy, but you're, now you're writing about nuclear and all this stuff. Like. Yeah. You know-
0: so I got involved with, um, you know, it's funny. Cause when, when I was working in the the Senate, that's when they were working on the, the CLCPA and I mean it, f- for like individual lawmakers, like the, that conversation was completely just crowded out. I mean, you had like New York Renews, and that's like a coalition of a lot of um, like progressive NGOs. I think there was labor in there. Um, it, it's like these are the details are negotiated in a room where like you, you're not really making it's I mean, it's 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 like a microcosm of like the of like environmental politics today. I mean, all those po- the politics that go into environment, what's called environmentalism, like what's represented through um civil society, like that's very closely like bottlenecked, mm. uh, which is sort of the problem with like Indian Point. I mean, you have a scenario in which al- already the, like prices have gone up. Mm. I mean, whether that was due to COVID or not, I mean, it was like 40%, you know, last, or even I think hundred percent higher because the the, um, the generators in the city, the power plants in the city had to produce a higher amount of, of, of power in, in you know, in place of, of the first reactor in Indian point that was shut yeah. down, but there's no one really to, to, to like argue because you know what, like when I wrote my article, like the only people who reached out to me after that were like, like hedge fund traders, like one. Hmm.
1: <laughs> really? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you,
1: you wrote this, uh, about a year ago, this was like right as COVID was hitting, right? March of 2020. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah we're and we reached out to you about this because uh, Indian Point is shutting down Uh, the New York Times just wrote an article, about a week ago titled Indian Point is shutting down. That means more fossil fuel. Uh, When the Indian Point nuclear plants plant shuts its lost output will be filled primarily by generators that burn fuels that contribute to climate change. Um, And so, Duncan like the crux of your article a year ago and the crux of this latest reporting is that it's kind of this, uh, uh, this weird thing going on uh, with nuclear energy where it's like people, environmentalists are, are trying to shut down these plants for environmental reasons, but it's leading to fossil fuel uh, plants kind of filling the gap uh, for all the reliable energy that nuclear was providing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so like when you saw this happening and you wrote the article a year ago. Um, I mean, what what were the people in your life like, you know, that you organized with or were around you at the time? Uh, you know, what were their opinions on it? Kind of like a layperson's opinion on Indian Point.
0: Um, it, it was it was totally ignored. It, to like to be totally honest with you, I I even I um I you know when they were like protesting, I. I I posted about it in DSA's like Facebook group when they were when um they were organizing some protests in Astoria um in AOC's district in uh Zorn Mamdani's assembly district you know that that they're going to build the new power plant but like this was all, like that was always that was always going to happen
2: so mm-hmm. so they were protesting the new power plants the ga- the gas-fired power plants yeah and I was like you know North we should keep plant.
0: this we should keep this last one open and like this guy, the fucking guy, he's a spokesman for the Sierra club. Like he, he's like, he's <laughs> eco-social, you know, like he like comes at me with, you know, frontline communities want this. And like, like, uh, what? <laughs> and like other people who are like professional, like, I guess like professional activists, but are, I guess, high up in, in the internal, like eco, you know, sort of like we're very aggressive about it. Um, and it's sort of interesting because like anti, like the modern environmentalist movement comes from like, I guess it started like with like Rachel Carson's Silent Spring, but like nuclear was really at the center of that. Um, incidentally, it was when I, I'm forgetting which oil company, but like they gave David Brower like a big grant to like start. I, I think it was friends of the earth after he left the Sierra club um, but that, this was like during the '70s when yeah. they were like, "Well, this stuff is—it's cheap, it's easy." Like, like fuck, we're gonna have population. Uh, like, it, this—it was like essentially like their sort of like eugenics. Yeah. <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, and over and then like with uh, the, the Hudson River sort of been and Indian Point has or, has, or, has always sort of been like a microcosm of that. Um, Riverkeeper has been the 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 long time like foe of the the plan and the, you know they started in like the seventies when it, this was part of like a broader move. I mean, I, I think you guys were talking with um, Matt Huber about like degrowth and mm-hmm. um, and, and it was like about in, in a way like they wanted to sort of accelerate like the deindustrialization of the Hudson. I mean, for a long time it was like a critical. Um, bottleneck in New York's economy. Obviously the water got really dirty because of that. Um, yep. but, uh, it's funny because if you go on to the New York Times site and you do like quotations Indian point in their search, you know, like a few hundred articles will come up. Five of them are like before 911 and it'll basically be about how they want you know to preserve the the river. They want to be able to fish. Um, yeah 911 well, yeah. Yeah. That being Ooh.
1: their, their reason why they could like, cause that's the thing, you know, I, I, I feel like every smart person I talk to is like, yeah, nuclear is, is great. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's like kind of the best option that we have as far as like environmentally sound, you know, takes care of, centralizes things, takes care of a lot of, you know, needs. Um, and it, it, you know, I know that it can be dangerous if, if things go wrong but we should always be improving technology to make it better. But like, like, I don't understand like what the main argument against it is. I guess with Indian point, the nine 11 thing, as you write in your article, Duncan, the nine 11 thing was like (laughs) this new sort of like scare tactic to say that like, Oh, you know, the terrorists are going to, they're going to target Indian point and blow up the whole, the whole area. Um, well, and there was another one.
2: There was a very anthropocene argument pre 9 11 that was about focusing on the fish. That the discharges, the hot water discharges, were killing thousands or hundreds of thousands of fish. Yep. And they got the local fi- local fishermen in Peekskill to complain about it. And they made a big deal about that. And to me, that that kind of illustrates this anthropocene argument yeah. of environmentalism, where we're centering the fish and the fishermen <laughs> over the needs, the power needs of yeah. Millions and millions of people, right?
0: Yeah, and and both sort of both, so both are both sort of coalesced to in shutting down the plant. And the, so nine eleven is like the pretext for public opposition against it. I mean, I remember growing up, like, um, and like nine eleven was like a very traumatic experience. But you know, this was like always on, like New York one, like constantly, like the yeah. danger of like there's this it, it, like. Idea that like you know like something goes wrong and like you have like the mushroom cloud going up you know yeah. it I mean it's not like that but the the thing is that is not what shut down Indian Point because um like the, the security issues like that's that's sort of an issue with the Feds and like you know they come in and it's like well it's fine like we it's fine like you're safe so in 2017 when when Entergy um said they were going to shut down the plant um well at the same time they were also trying to get they were trying to get a subsidy for their upstate plan. And once they got that subsidy, they were able to sell it. Um, so basically like we have three in New York, We have you have three nuclear plants upstate that get like renewable subsidies that Indian Point didn't get. But what caused them to sell was that, um, so the state controls the water permits and they couldn't like, the, the state was forcing them to get like this, like billion-dollar, like water purifier thing um, that like the neighbors would complain about too because it would like billow out from the, um, mm. and like you know like the the commissioner of of the Department of Environmental Conservation, the, you know you know well that, that guy's the former like attorney for for Riverkeeper. I mean, so they've always been very close to the governor. I mean, especially you know Robert uh, R.F.K. Jr. He's like the sort of nutty Kennedy with the, you know, it's like the -the anti-vax. Yeah. Yeah. um, I mean that like, you know, Cuomo was his former brother-in-law.
2: So, but he clashes with Cuomo now, doesn't he? What's that? that, My impression is that he clashes with Cuomo. Oh yeah. He's, he's
0: definitely been, he's like, he's, he's sort of been pushed out of the elite by, but the thing is he, he brought all these elites on like the, the riverkeeper board is like, people with, like, the last names of, like, Rockefeller,
1: hmm.
0: like yeah. Hamilton Fish the 8th or whatever. I, um, I just saw
2: Alec Baldwin publish an yeah. op-ed about, you know, celebrating the closure of Indian Point. He was like, I work closely with, with River Keeper he and all these other groups. Yeah,
0: yeah, he was on the board of them. Like, Kennedy, like, put them on the map. Like, he, he brought all this money on. And, like, for Cuomo, especially beginning with run for attorney general, I mean, his base is, has always sort of been – Westchester or Long Island um, upper middle class suburban voter. Mm. Um, so, so I mean, going back to like 9/11, he always ran on closing it. And you know, like the the for him, it's like uh, Jimmy Vealkind, kind the of Wall Street. He has like these like rules of Cuomo, and it's like always like he's always like trying to make a deal. <laughs> like the, those circumstances just sort of came together for him in in um in 2017 with. When they announced the closure, I mean, and there's there's also like a, another weird like sort of subplot to that. Um, his his closest aide, um, Joe Perkico, like when yeah. the indictment, uh, you know, the the Southern District uh, Attorney was like he, part of the the bribe, like the you know what, whatever it is he got pinched for, like the, part of that was um, that he was supposed to basically like like advise both shutting down Indian Point and to switch yeah. for the state's uh, long-term like purchasing contract with this other plant, CPV, yep. which I don't know if that's up yet. I, I know the main replacement for Indian Point right now is I, it's the city generators, like the, which is uh, the one across the street from like the Queensbridge housing pro,
2: uh, projects. Well, CPV, um, they're doing Dan Scammer, in Newburgh. Yeah, yeah, Dan
0: Scammer.
2: Yeah, uh, very contentious. And that's one of the so Dan Scammer is really what led me I mean, the, the combination of Dan Scammer and Indian Point closing led me to seek out your article. But uh, yeah, Dan Scammer is in Newburgh. And for the listeners out there who aren't in uh, New York, Newburgh is like the poorest you know, one of the poorest cities, very, very long history of lots of violence. Um, you know, it's, I think it's majority people of color there. And they're just a few miles um, downwind from where this fossil fuel plant is gonna be. Um, and basically this plant is being built by CPV or proposed by CPV. It's pretty far along in the proposal process. And uh, to offset the closure of Indian Point which had no emissions and was a nuclear plant that was running safely for like 40 plus years. Uh, they're opening up several fossil fuel plants And um, yeah, like uh, as you're saying, Duncan, in in an indictment, you know, one of the things that got someone pinched in the Cuomo administration was this assurance that fossil fuels would fill the gap led, uh, you know, caused by the Indian Point closure someday.
0: Yeah. And Um, Cricket Valley, by the way, that's the, I don't know, like that's that's other one. Yeah. Over. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where that stands right now. I know people, and also in Wawa Yanda, there was another one with CPG yeah. that people were fighting uh, pretty hard. Um, yeah, and it, you know, another thing, before we get into like, what's next, um, or just like looking back, I know Fred, Fred Stafford, a writer, someone who's written with Jacobin a few times, he's covered this quite a bit. And on Twitter, he has these great pictures um, that show the, the protests and counter protests about building Indian Point back in the 70s. Uh, but it's crazy, like, at the time, you can see kind of the split between uh, the left and the new left. I'm sorry, the old left and the new left, where organized labor was obviously for building this thing. They wanted jobs to, like, build the plant. Um, and then the new left was the environmentalists who were against building the plant. And, uh, you know, for the Anthropocene reasons or Malthusian reasons or whatever their motivation was. And that just goes on today that, you know, like even, I mean, DSA chapters, I know lower Hudson DSA was uh, definitely like involved in in kind of facilitating the shutdown of the plant or uh, support it. It didn't certainly didn't do anything to stop it. Um, And the the people that work at the plant who are in organized labor obviously want to keep their jobs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you, what, what do you see today with like organized or what do you see today in your research about this, that organized labor, like with nuclear in general, and also with this plan, like w- what do they think about this kind of stuff? Um, Is there a just transition? I mean, them? I don't really know.
0: <laughs> I, I I've never looked, I I've never worked with any of the, um, I, there was this really funny call in to the, to when like they were doing on like WPAI DSAs, um, they were doing a thing on like the, their public power campaign. And like some guy who's like worked for like Con Ed uh, like called in like angrily about, um, like he's like, I've been working here like, like 30 years, like don't fuck with my pension. <laughs> 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 and they're, they're, like they're like, you know, like this shit's like really complicated. Like, you, you know, you can, and like, th- that's the thing. It's like, they, they only talk about it in the sense of like, they were like, the two most important things here are one, we have to win over the politicians, and two, we have to like build a base. And it's like, no, like the all of that is like secondary to like how you're gonna operate an extremely complex system. Hmm. And like to, to be clear, like I, I support a public um, a, a public a publicly owned u- utility.
1: Um,
0: yep. but like it's it's like really complicated. And and like what I don't get is like even if okay this like the the New York Power Authority, all things considered, is a great like it's a great like public it, you know that's the the it's the public agency that owns a lot of like power. They will deliver power to the MTA to 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 NYCHA. Um, I mean, if you if they got the governor to like put the like so part of the closure agreement with Indian Point, the governor basically could have halted it. Um, he hasn't, but he could have. And, you know, and, and in that scenario, NYPA could have operated the plant um, and they have experience operating um, nuclear nuclear plants. And then like, you know, if you really wanted a publicly owned system, well, then you would have been like vertically integrated in, in both the, the, like the upstream, like generation uh, phase, as well as, you know, and like the, what like Con Ed does, like bringing it into your home. Um, yeah. And it, like, you know, they have this plan of like, you know, you're just going to, you know, use eminent domain. You know, to like take over its assets. Like, eminent domain means you have to like compensate them for like at, at fair market value. Like this this company has a thirty billion dollar market cap. Like you, you yeah. like thirty billion dollars. So, so you can have like socialism for its own sake. It, it's just not a you know you have to be able to tell people that that you know their electricity costs are going down and that their electricity is is going to be reliable. By the way, which are like both great arguments for why Con Ed shouldn't be like the you know the the monopoly like you know electrical utility in in the city. I mean, because they shut off frequently and and it is expensive. But yeah. Yeah, since Indian Point is closing, you know, price, the the price of electricity is, has gone up by a lot. Like, I mean, in the, the electricity, you know, per kilowatt hour went up by 10% after after the first reactor closed in May. Um, I mean, that's not how you win people over to yeah. socialism.
1: Yeah. I just, I don't understand how people protest or, or they don't want nuclear when it's like <laughs> it, like it makes everything more expensive to get rid of it. Like, you know, like it just doesn't make any sense. Like, this seems like one of those things where it's, it's like, they're just totally using like the nonprofit industrial complex and, and all these organizations like DSA and whatnot to kind of like do this huge kind of like disinformation um, campaign so that people don't realize how much of a no brainer it is that we shouldn't be closing these nuclear plants because it's like a lose, lose, lose in every, in every aspect. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's amazing that it, that it even has political power behind it to, you know, (laughs) say like, you'd think that anybody who was running a campaign on nuclear, uh, would, would win just by stating these facts that it's like going to make it cheaper. It's going to give jobs. It's going to be cleaner, you know, like that's a, that's a winning campaign strategy. How how does that not
0: happen? Well, I think like the, well, tooth. well, first of all, I mean, I think like saying something like that, the, the nonprofit industrial complex, like impedes, like, a more like genuine in environmental environmentalism is in one sense, like a red herring, because um, like the, like modern environmentalism is like entirely sort of like a construct of that um, of like, I guess, like organized civil society. Yeah, totally. Um, like before that it was like conservationism, you know, which was, you know, I guess like sort of like an elite like construct. I mean, I think, but the second thing is, is I think like the right has a, in many ways, like stronger messaging on on this stuff and that they, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't talk about climate change. They talk about like pollution, Mm. you know, talk about about people's jobs. They talk about
1: like real things that people care about and not these like pie in the sky, like idealist, you know, utopian bullshit. Like, you know, climate change is, so here's the thing is like, I've gotten flack On twitter about this by saying whether climate change is real or not and then i get all the like the movie bob types who are like are you you're a climate denialist you know you're you're a a closet republican or whatever and it's like the thing is it doesn't it doesn't matter like most people don't even know they don't they have to just believe whatever scientists are saying and the thing is there's a lot of science out there that is purposefully out there to mislead people so like what are people supposed to think they're just all they can do is like look outside and observe the weather. And maybe, you know, they observe some weird shit. But like day to day, what they're observing isn't really the weather. It's like their rent <laughs> or yeah. pollution. Or it's stuff that's like right in front of their face. So it's like it doesn't matter whether climate, you know, these these global things, these climate sciences are real or how accurate they are. It doesn't matter. It's not, it's not relevant, yeah. like just average people and and you're right that's where republicans actually are conservatives like they just they hit it
0: much better on those issues and i mean and the thing is you you could you could make that same argument for for like the left i mean from the left i mean you could you can make the argument that you know you know, with like Con Ed, you know, well, like they they take their ten percent return on equity. You know, the the executives are gonna are getting paid ten million dollars. Like, you know, they, you know, when they go to make their rate case, like that's based off their capital expenditures. So, like, they want to build more pipelines. They want to like build a lot of infrastructure that that, you know, that won't be in the best interests of you know their captive customers. Mm-hmm. But. Like, like that part's fine, but it's like, the, and this is like where I think the sort of, I guess like class contradictions within like the left, you know, sort of like come to the fore in the sense that like within like organized environmentalism, there's just not a sensitivity to, to like, well, like the most important question, which is like, well, how is, is this affecting the air I breathe and like mm-hmm. paying for my electricity?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Make sure, making sure that I get it
1: yeah basic shit
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: and i think it's i think it's uh reflects kind of this decay in society that uh, is much bigger than just any one issue and it's it's not something that you can just say like well just organize just organize sweetie like knock on all the doors of the people they'll be affected and like we'll come to a solution together it's, it's not going to work like that because there's like so much money and so much conditioning that's leading everyone to believe that fighting climate change is an individual act. Mm. And like, I see this all the time, like people, people believe more in the, you know, if you go to Home Depot and you see the table in front where they're like selling the, the solar panel installations, people believe more in that. And that's more tangible to them than the idea that there's some plant 60 miles away in, in Westchester that's um, humming along and providing their energy That's like, you know, it's, it's something, it's meaningless. Like I turn on my, my light switch and the light comes on and it's like the home Depot table where there's, they're doing the solar panel installations. is. That's the thing that's presented to me as like, Oh, you're going to save the world by doing this. Yeah. Yeah. It's such like, it feels like such a loser argument at this point to like, even, you know, I can't find, I honestly, I don't see anybody, uh, you know, for example, we have a pumped, we had a pumped storage, uh, proposal up here and, um, it was just like bipartisan people were just, all the elites were against it. Every NGO dealing with the environment is against it. And it's pumped storage that would like, it was going to put at 800 megawatts, uh, which yeah. is like, you know, people say it. it was, it was close to Indian point in terms of like its impact on the energy grid. It would have been zero emissions, but people are just so addicted to like the individual apps that they can do and like the little like small is beautiful type things that they can put on their house.
0: I mean, the, the, the small is beautiful. Like clearly has a lot of, and I I don't like, I don't think we've really like articulated like, or at least I haven't read one of like why that's so appealing. But I mean, it is, it is clearly like very, at least to like younger people um, or within like the organized left. I mean, it is, it's it's an appealing idea that you can sort of like 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 the back to the land simpler yeah it is funny though that it's like when it's in their backyard it's i mean like um rfk jr you know like years ago i think i mean almost almost 20 years ago now there was this proposal to um build a wind farm off of off of martha's vineyard like and like four miles off land, offshore. So it's like from his, you know, Hyannisport view or whatever. whatever. <laughs> and so him and like the Koch brothers, like you know, uh, you know, those bedfellows. They, you know, they 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 basically work to like shut down this. Awesome. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well that's like that's basically gotta, why the the one in woodstock the the pumped uh hydros yeah, one got shut down because woodstock is is like you know martha's vineyard or Hyannisport port or whatever it's where all the rich people have second homes Airbnbs. um it's an affluent those. area and they and they want to keep they want to preserve their mountain views so yeah
2: so their river views so duncan like and- so you mentioned that like this wasn't something that you were super passionate about until, you know, until the shutdown was coming further along. From your article, like you're very aware of some of the um, environmental justice issues uh, in the area where you are, where like you know, there's a lot of asthma and people are um, kind of suffering there from a lot of environmental things. So like to to people in other parts of the country, like, there's a lot of nuclear plants that are in various stages of being under attack. It's not very popular right now to defend nuclear. Um, so what, would, what, what could you wish that you like told yourself years ago about Indian Point or what would you tell people out there who maybe could possibly save their nuclear plant or could possibly get involved um, in like learning about these issues where, where they are?
0: I mean, is that, there any hope? <laughs> that's a million dollar question, right? I mean, Like, because like there is, there is no as, I mean, I, there's no like organized momentum, I think, behind mm. uh, nuclear. I mean, and it's, and like what, I guess like the question is like, what would be, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, like what would be the vector for bringing people on? I mean, maybe if there was like, if there was like an organized movement to, to you know develop like a national industrial I mean we have an industrial people think you know we've deindustrialized and like we do have a an industrial policy that's centered around like the military. So it's like we you know produce other stuff, you know, you do you know you you can't like you can't have like a robust uh like manufacturing sector run on windmills, especially since you know, you need to like like an effective factory has to be running like twenty four seven. Yeah. Um,
1: you, know, well, you know, shouldn't shouldn't the DSA be taking up this mantle? I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, you know that my hope was always that um, for for DSA and you know, and when I joined after after Bernie lost, um, was that it, you know, even despite this, I guess the the class contradictions within the left that it could have a sort of like high minded. Um, view of, of government and, you know, and and things that, you know, and, and a certain, like, discipline towards what has to be done. Um, and I I personally see those, like, contradictions not being resolved. I mean, I think there's some exceptions, like, you know, you take an issue like housing, in which I think, you know, mo- most people are tenants. So, mm. you know,
1: something- But where you live, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> oh, but yeah. That's, yeah exactly, <laughs> Are they yeah. mostly
1: tenants here? I don't even, I don't, I don't think
2: most people. In, in the city, in the city of in our city. Yeah. It's like majority tenants, but then our county, the is county like is not 30%. tenants.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, well, well, that's owners. why, I mean, it's con it's mostly, I mean, the organization mostly concentrated in, in cities. Yeah. I, and that's something where, you know, you know, like DSA was like very productive and, and helpful and in, in uh the the you know sweeping rent laws that you know came through in two thousand and nineteen because their their interests were aligned but i mean i mean but like this the stuff with environment i mean it 's similar with like defund i mean you know you go to like you know you walk to east New York like they, you know you 're not going to find people who are saying we don 't want like cops on the you know on the street like it's just it 's just out of touch,
1: so do you feel like dSA is too much controlled within New York city. So it just takes on whatever New York city, like kind of dictates for the rest of the organization. Or, I mean, the thing is like why it seems like eco-socialism is a big, you know, push that they're doing right now. That's their, one of their biggest sort of campaigns that they're running right now. And um, nuclear just seems like a no brainer. And they, I mean, they have, there are people in the DSA camp who, um, are pro nuclear like yeah matt huber um fred stafford uh lee phillips like all these people write for jacobin um which is you know the dsa magazine
0: and but they're like but they're in the the minority i mean and it's like and like that's it's like i mean like you know like you have like the good leftists like you know like adolf Reed and stuff but it's like has his his, like the constituency of people within the left who think like that, like has not grown. Mm-hmm. With like, you know, within like DSA, like if, you know, if a lot of it is, you know, realistically like an opportunity to like, for people to to get more involved in politics on a professional level.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so it's like a lot of people who, you know, who at least within like the eco-socialist, you know, thing they, who say like have jobs is like, professional organizers, um, you know, with or advocacy coalitions and whatnot. And I mean, in, intuitively, like those are the people, you know, whose ideas are gonna have more pull um, with with new members or people who might wanna work at those places or, or, or endear themselves within that network. I mean, like, no doubt about it, there are a lot of people within like say like New York City DSA who would have like you know, like good judgment on what the state's like energy makeup should be, but that's not where like this sort of like internal, like power concentrates.
2: Yeah. We have to think too about who who's being attracted, who's flooding into DSA, what is their class composition? What are the, the sensibilities that they bring with them? Uh, you know, DSA is talk always, you know, they say 90,000 members now. Um, I'm not sure if that's an accurate number, but it's grown massively, and the people flooding in—the class composition—is not the kind of person that is a, uh, a union worker at Indian Point or somebody in the, who shares a union with, with a nuclear power plant. It's probably somebody who, you know, went has like a, a master's degree or something, and right. um, thinks that you know, small is beautiful is really cool, and that they want to like they fantasize about returning to the land and all this other <laughs> stuff. So. You know, and that's just how it is. Like, it's not it's not a vehicle for for this stuff. And like, no matter, never how it's it's not because of a shortage of ideas. It's because the, the people and the, the power that they have, um, yeah, the people flooding in do not have just don't have the the reason a reason to care about this. You know, they, they have a reason to care about a life a lifestyle socialism, which I think, you know, for me like I, I see degrowth as being part of that, which is why like at least in new york state i mean degrowth seems to be a big part of um the eco-socialism stuff
1: i mean here's here's an opportunity where it almost seems like maybe we should start approaching more conservatives <laughs> they might be a little bit easier to organize around this kind of stuff right well, i mean if you're well, into I organizing mean, i kind of I mean, gave that shit up a while ago but... yeah that's
2: the thing is like who <laughs> who is we and who and who's approaching like what are we Who's we and who's we approaching? Yeah, don't
1: like, take any of my advice. Yeah, there's no like, there's no we here. Like, yeah, uh, but we're talking hypothetically, you know. Yeah, yeah, I
0: mean, the Green New Deal is, you know, there is an interest. I mean, the challenge is, of course, like what goes inside it, but but I think like the the idea of like, you know, like like radically upping like production is the right way. About it, I mean, especially you know, if you're coming, you know, as a Marxist and you see the the production process as sort of like the canvas of on which like you know social relations and society is organized. I mean, starting with production, what you're going to produce, I think is a good is a good start. I mean, but of course, all of those. I mean, so much of those people have left. Yeah, Um, there was actually there was a great interview with um, Judith Stein who who passed away recently on Jacobin she was talking about um, the, the workers that sort of left the democratic party i think she said something to the effect of like the 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 idea of like the reagan democrat I, I don't know if she said it was like a myth but the sense that like after at that the at the sort of like carter reagan transition like those people had basically just sort of dropped out of the political process mm. so how, I, I mean, I guess if your political program was about, you know, producing things, building things, um, and then, you know, that, using that as, I, I guess, of, you know, the rallying point to where, to aligning like what that sort of, I guess, um, class focus left would, you know, could follow.
1: So what you're saying is that we need a red-brown alliance. <laughs> Just kidding. Fucking my I'm in trouble. i'm just kidding Uh, like
0: none of this meant uh, like i i never even heard of this stuff before before like i and i didn't like i i barely used twitter even before like the pandemic and i was like yeah shut on your everyone's a nerd in front of their (laughs) (laughs) me too
1: i me too i didn't start using it until like a year or so ago
0: None, none of us have been going outside and, and, and <laughs> on the grass.
1: <laughs> I know we need to touch more grass, right?
0: But yeah, I had, I had no idea that this like, that it was, it was like bad to to care about. Uh, like the red brown, it's just, it's just like...
1: That's silly.
0: Different world well, to me.
1: Well, and
2: you're, I mean, to bring it back to your article, like it, it's so tangible in here, you know, this, um, this great quote you have from the African American environmentalist association where they, they asked uh, how many African American children should suffer from asthma in order to marginally improve the level of fish egg mortality in the Hudson river. I mean, that's the shit that like, we're all talking about. This is why we all care about this stuff is that that's tangible. That's real. And it's, I know it's not like sexy to like care about where your energy comes from or uh, you know, to advocate for, for a nuclear power plant that obviously is not like, it's not cool. It's not that cool, but you know, that's tangible. And like, that's something that that's, that is like the real environmental racism that people talk about. That's the real yeah. thing. And keeping a nuclear power plant open would prevent that from happening. And because they're, the people in charge, even the people in charge, not to be like a bratty sub to them, but they've offered no alternative vision that's gonna prevent that from happening. Yeah. And that's why we care, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, and to that to that point, I mean, in you know, the most I guess the environmental justice zones where like uh, people are the most impacted. I mean, in the city yeah. like the South Bronx, that's Harlem, it's it's um the eastern or so western part of of Queens and it's like basically two causes. It's like with in terms of high asthma rates. It's pro
1: He froze. He froze just as he was making a really good point.
0: They shut
2: Duncan down. (laughs) Sorry about that. We Uh, thought Peter Buffett swatted you or something.
1: (laughs) So Uh, you're, you're making a really good point about,
0: uh, asthma. Yeah. So, so the, the, the biggest causes of that, um, proximity to nuclear plants and to expressways. So like the way the, the city's roads were set up, like, trucks can only go on like certain roads um like for instance like the main like the fdr drive or the west side highway which go you know adjacent to like the wealthiest neighborhoods in the city like you can't go there on a truck you know so if you want to bring freight into new york city you know you go across the bridge and you you basically have to go you know down these like the expressways that sort of shoot down the south bronx and then into harlem Mm -hmm. it's like a it's like a choke no pun intended it's like a choke point of of truck congestion basically so living so living along like close to those expressways is is like a is a major cost now mm. uh, to me, i think like if, if you were deciding what to put into a green new deal and if you were a uh, congressperson from New York, you know you would want to have. Basically, an alternative for bringing freight into the city. Uh, you know, uh, Jerry Nadler. He's a Congress, the West Side Congressman. He that's he's good. He's really good on this. I mean, he's been trying to sort of like re reindustrializing like New York City has sort of been like his like white whale, like for like most of his career. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I mean, that's just not an. So his plan is basically to to connect. Brooklyn, like the Brooklyn waterfront, with um with New Jersey, and basically be able to bring freight into the city that like not on a truck on an electrified rail. Mm. I mean, that to me would you know is something that should be in like a like a green New Deal. You know, as, as something that would like reduce um local congestion in quote unquote frontline communities. Yeah. But instead, like that is is like 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 we'll subsidized, you know, I don't know, like solar panels on their roofs, but like, that's not, that's not going to make any impact on like the air that, that people breathe.
1: Right. Yeah. Solar panel companies like it though.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, we were just saying how green new deal is like this sort of um, container uh, term for whatever it, it doesn't, There, it's not even specific about like what it says it's going to do like Medicare for All, at least says exactly what it's going to do, whereas Green New Deal is this term that's just batted around now, and we, we don't even know what it even means. So it's like, I don't know, I, I kind of want to tell people out there listening, like, when you hear Green New Deal, just know that it's it's kind of just a slogan that means anything to anyone at this point, you know, and it, and it kind of means nothing because
0: of that. No, I agree. I mean, in a sense, like, you know, it's similar with with medicare for all too i, I mean and it's like it, it's a shame because like the the pandemic was such an excellent opportunity yeah. you know there's no reason why like the death toll at public hospitals in the city are like five times more than than at like the private nonprofit you know like ones with like billion dollar endowments and like like i can't imagine anything more like that could have highlighted the the like the serious inequities in, in healthcare. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, like there's all these things that you could, even if you don't have Medicare for all, there's all these things you could do. You know, you can have, you can have like a, a public option, you know, the, I, I Medicare, like still can't like bargain with insurers. You could have th- So there was this article on American prospect. Um, I think the guy's name was Les Leopold. He, um, he wrote, he wrote this article about how the, a lot of like the, the rhetoric around like COVID being like racist and stuff like was like kind of silly because like, well, like a virus isn't right. right. But like, in terms of, like the, the disparate racial mm-hmm. impact, you know, he was, well, like when we, when we did it by zip code, it was like poor yeah. zip codes where, where, you know, the effects were more pr- pronounced and like, and he said, you know, when, when they take in patients, they, they ask you your race, they ask you, you know, your gender, they don't ask you your income, they don't ask you your your occupation. So, I mean, effectively, like, we don't even have, like, the vocabulary, you know, integrated into our system to assess, like, what those, all we have is, is like, race, all we have is, like, gender, you know, so, like like, that was, like, an opportunity, you know, like, any of the any state legislator could, you know, produce a bill that says, you know, we should, you know, when on health intake forms, you know, we should, and that would, you know, that would bring you closer to a, a socialized system because then at least we would be able to like introduce that data showing the, the disparate effects of like, of, of, of healthcare, yeah. but, but it's similar to, to green new deal. I mean, it, it's sort of, it, it's just like a slogan. I mean, it's, It's just like, like, that's like the rallying point, like, you know, like, they'll, they'll do phone banks, they'll, you know, go door to door, you know, hand out flyers outside of the subway saying Medicare for all, but it's like, you don't, they're, they're like, concrete material things that you can be doing, like, right now, like that, that bring you closer to that, but we, but like, you know, we're, we're just not doing that
2: well yeah actually speaking yeah. of the green New Deal it sounds like uh, they're gonna reintroduce it on Tuesday
0: have they have they changed
2: what's in it since since the last time I have no I don't I have no idea and I'm not sure who they even is anymore
0: <laughs> <laughs> well it was like it was written by like like so AOC staff like, I mean I know they're very close with with like sunrise yeah. and
1: so then you know it's got to be good and
0: <laughs> just kidding you know i was really i was really optimistic about about sunrise when they were when they were starting out i thought you know especially the like the camping out outside of Pelosi's office like I, I i think it was like it was a it was a good sign in the sense that i think a lot of environmental groups before had a sort of like like anarcho mm-hmm. like deep politics so I, I thought it was a promising thing that like you know that there was like an aggressive political and electoral strategy, I, that's certainly important. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like Sunrise has been against nuclear. Yeah. I mean,
2: well, it's funny, I'm looking at
0: they totally, I'm looking
2: at the Green New Deal page on the Sunrise Movement's website. So, this is right from their like homepage. So, it lists out the different phases five phases. Let's read them really quick. So, to the 2017, phase one, launch the movement, 2018, phase two make climate change matter in midterm elections 2019 phase three make the entire country feel the urgency of the crisis oh god 2020 like <laughs> 2020 phase four win governing power by bringing it home through the 2020 general election mission accomplished and then 2021 <laughs> phase five this is the, this is like the uh yeah this, this is the yada 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 part so is Phase five, engage in mass non-cooperation to interrupt business as usual and win a green new deal. So I think we have a lot of street theater in our, uh, our near future. It's here. monkey
1: wrenching. This is what I was just yeah. learning about the other day, monkey wrench, which is, um, cause I was looking up this anarchist.
2: Ed, Edward Abbey. Edward, Edward Abbey.
1: Abbey, right. Who was, I mean, this was like a tactic of environmental anarchists was to just stop things in their tracks which, you know, is good if you use it strategically, I guess, for really bad ship. But like, the thing is like, we actually need infrastructure at this point. We need <laughs> like energy infrastructure. And they're just, they're just yeah. stopping everything with, yeah. without any kind of alternative. That's what it seems like the environmental movement is to me. It's just stopping anything, anything and everything from happening.
0: I mean, well, they would, to play devil's advocate, they would say, well, no, I mean, we want to, we want to build up, you know, all these renewables and, you know, but there's just, there's all these like problems there that like, I, I don't know whether it's a lack of like literacy and with like the science or like the political, like, for instance, like the, you know, the amount of, of, of power that Indian Point gave to New York City. And that was like a quarter. I mean, you need, you need like the the land mass of of wind farms that you mm-hmm. need is like size of like New York City like like the, like that's a lot of like political battles I mean right. and in addition to that you have you know you need like this the natural gas it's like they're like totally oblivious to the fact that you need to have a like a base load mm-hmm. source you know you know for every you know x right. amount of like renewable that you know that you produce you you have to that has to correspond with like right you know right and and they also talk about
2: like indigenous sovereignty and the thing is like you can't if if we're going to build out all these intermittent renewables then indigenous people are going to be in battles to block this stuff from being built because it's going to take up an insane amount of land and it's it's going to
1: be their land and you know that's not sovereignty like that's that's something else well that's that this is how it works out perfectly because they want to degrow everything and they want to do land this is why they want to do land back. I've just figured it out. This is why they want to do land back. Because land back is a very convenient way to say no, we're you know all they need to do is find like an indigenous NGO person and say no, give it back to me and then you basically like you're seizing land under the name of like doing it for indigenous or yeah whatever. that's what it seems like to me is like the whole land back thing is just a way to seize land and do it in like a woke <laughs> like racial
0: kind of like way the thing is like even that is this um indigenous rights activist Stephen Corey, he correctly pointed out that like this idea of like the pure wil- wilderness like they that- that must be conserved like like that too is is like a racist mm. construct mm. in this that it's like it's it's based off this this like assumption that you know that for the thousands of years that that indigenous people lived on their land like that they weren't modifying and yeah. and you know doing things and and you know raising the land like that like they just like lived m- merrily and at one with with you know nature before the settlers or whatever, you know, came along. And um, it's so funny, because like that's the, um, I mentioned this in the article too, uh, with the, um, the, the Champlain-Hudson Power Express. Um, so, when, so when like Riverkeeper was advocating for the closure, like there, there was always like the issue of the replacement for Indian Point. And they were always comfortable with gas, but, but in their reliability assessment, um, ahead of the 2017 closure, they pointed to this transmission line from Quebec, which would bring uh, power down, which would sell power into New York City. Then after the closure is announced, suddenly they're against it. Um, they, they said, um, well, this will, you know, the Indigenous people don't want this. And, but, you know, that actually wasn't true. Um, the so this deal was has been sort of done by the city and to to De Blasio's credit you know he he um he sent like his team up to to Canada to like be open with the indigenous groups there on the process um they had actually asked this coalition of environmental groups like Riverkeeper and and the Sierra Club to like stop using their name to like like what they had, I think. Like they've actually sort of like built, built up the indigenous coalitions since when I wrote this article. But back then, like they basically pointed to this group that was in like Newfoundland, which is like hundreds of miles away from Quebec, where the the uh, the dams are. I mean, Hydro Quebec said we're not building any more dams. Like it, it was sort of just like a reflexive opposition to, I mean, the actual reason, the actual reason why the, the environmental movement in New York has been against this is because, well, like the, the association of renewable developers, like they've been very straightforward that they're like, well, if all, if all this power is going to be cleared up on, like, we want our developers to take up, you know, to make up that supply of, like, why should it come from out of state when it can come from in-state? And, you know, of course there's a lot of overlap between the renewable developers and the, the NGOs. So it's it, it like the, and the arguments are like, you know, like back to the fish, like, you know, the, this, it hurts the fishing in indigenous communities or, but it's just, I mean, it, it's just, so, it's used in such, such a total, tokenized way. Yeah. I mean, they, like they base, like the, again, like the, that opposition in Quebec didn't even exist while they were first making these arguments. And like, you know, like, again, and, and like River Cuba just totally flip flopped on him because they supported it at first when they needed to get rid of it. And now, I mean, and they don't care because at the end of the day, like Alec Baldwin will always be able to get power into his like Westchester home. And he doesn't really care if he has to pay more for it for, for per month. I mean, and, you know, like, yeah, it's like intuitive that, you know, if you get rid of 25% of the state's power, you know, you have to replace that. But like this stuff has been in writing before. I mean, Con Edison had a had a contract with Indian Point, uh, like a, a forward purchasing agreement. They switched it over to the Astoria, like generating station, you know, by, 20, by 2017, 2016. Yeah. Like every reliability assessment well, has I, said, you know. I the, think
1: you hit on it in, in that, like the people who are invested in all this stuff, they don't care that they have to pay more for it. It actually, I think it makes them feel a little better that they have to pay more for it. I think that the the whole, yeah. the whole movement yeah. is like this kind of like consumer first movement, where you know, people can think of themselves, their agency comes from their consumer activity. And so by you know, buying this more, you know, high-end expensive green energy, or so their soul, you know, what they're what they're told it is. Uh, they feel like they're doing their part. They never have to worry about it running out or whatever, because yeah, you don't you know you
2: don't rely on it. They might see it too as like a kind of like a tax on cigarettes. It's like people need the price discipline to uh, to start using less energy, and yeah. you know, and, and another motivation too is kind of this accelerationism, yeah. where it's like maybe people aren't literally thinking like oh the power go you know the costs go up Then it's gonna it's gonna increase the pressure and things are gonna deteriorate faster and there's more opportunity for my ideology to take hold but I I do think there's a kind of nihilism or or something um where people don't care people just assume like oh yeah well the, the price will go up and people will like organize and be forced to do something about it be forced into action and I think a lot I think some powerful people definitely have like a apocalyptic ideation where they think that, you know, it's all, it's all inevitable that things are going to come to a head and, you know, whenever it happens, it happens. You yeah. Know, there's not, there's not that kind of love of, of uh, the people as they are now, you know, the empathy for, for people needing energy right now without the emissions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where a lot of like the, and it's always so vague, but where like the f- fixation on efficiency, energy efficiency and it's always in the most vaguest terms and you don't really know what it and i you know of course there's like an argument to be made for like more efficiency but like i mean even that is in like contradiction with you know you know the stated goals of of electrifying everything because then like you know whatever it is like you're cutting back on in, uh, current electricities, you know you're going to have to really scale that up if you're if you're going to make sure everyone's stove is electric yeah. or you know you want
2: to be yeah it's funny there, we've been talking you know because summer's coming we've been talking to like some installers about like a ductless or dual split ductless air conditioning thing so they're they're trying to sell us on it and they're saying like oh and if you get if you opt for this like more expensive option to do your whole house uh central hudson will give you a ten thousand dollar rebate for that because it because of the system that they're trying to install is like electric heat basically so the, the sales guys will say like oh central hudson wants you wants everyone to get off fossil fuels they don't want you to burn the oil in your house they want you to heat your house with electricity and they want <laughs> because they're trying to get people off fossil fuels and i was like yeah but the electricity comes from fossil fuels anyway uh yeah. But they don't care they just want more and more people on the grid because they want to justify like future stuff you know it's like this this regulatory yeah. capture or something
0: yeah, it's all it's it's like basically just aesthetic, like you know, like you have you know you have the solar panel on your roof showing that, or it's like what was that sort of nutty movie, um, the Michael Moore, which one, The Planet of
1: the Humans, or yeah, Planet of the Humans,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah that one, but it was like the show that like they said that it's like, it's like run on renewables, but it's like backed up entirely yeah. by yep. like a like a
2: <laughs> by a generator,
0: yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, it's too bad that that. I I like that it upset a lot of yeah, the right people. exactly. I, exactly. I enjoy
2: it. You should the I the cancel it. campaign that Josh Fox tried to do about that movie. He was so upset that they like were following the money just a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and and like he's. A, I mean, I don't think I don't think it works in the sense that's like someone gives you like the briefcase in the parking lot and then like you know, and you make this decision that's, like, you know, like, supportive of, yeah. like, the
2: corporate. They don't need to I, do I, that. I, it's all, it's all, like, the incentives. Yeah, it's
0: more, yeah, it's more, it's more, like, complex, yeah, and it's, like, yeah, we're, I mean, we're at, the like, the point where it's, like, like, no one's buying off the the support of, like, you know, environmental, I mean, it. I I would, actually, I would describe it like this, like, like the oxygen for these groups comes from like big money, you know? But like people, I think people who join like or organize with like, say, like the Sierra Club or River People, like that's of their own volition. I mean, I, I guess like that's like sort of like the problems that we talk about on, on like Twitter or whatnot with like civil society and how it, it crowds out uh, a more like genuine egalitarian politics. Yeah yeah
2: yeah it's true you know it, it's like um if you just look at the the political economy now the markets are already created people want to be served they want something that these ngos can provide them which and the ngos are funded as these enterprises that can provide content and provide products to people not literal like on oh, ordering a a shirt or something from uh, from uh, Sunrise Movement, but there. But the product that I'm purchasing is like I'll donate twenty five dollars, and then I'll have that feeling that I'm like, oh, you know, when I see them protest doing a die in in front of uh, in Times Square or something that like I contributed that I'm part of that. I feel like I'm. I'm you
1: could buy part shirt. of the part of the solution. You can buy a Sunrise Movement shirt if you want. You can buy a beanie too. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So you can do both. You could like go to the event, have the experience, and then buy the shirt. I don't even want to go to the event. I just <laughs> want to I just want to watch it from my you know from the comfort of my home. You can ha- you can tweet about it with a hashtag and yeah, do your part.
0: That's true. And be part of the movement. I mean that's make a recurring that's what, donation. That's the consumer politics that we have today. Yeah.
1: Consumer activism, yeah. It's yeah, it's all experiential shit. But yeah, when you were talking before about the solar panels, I was like, that's like the new lawn sign, right? It's like, it's like signaling to everyone in the neighborhood, like, I am doing my part, you know? It's like, rather than just having the lawn sign, it's like this next step of like, I'm putting these fucking like, big stupid things on my, on my roof. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And like, I'm not like against solar panels. I mean... For all, I mean, it seems like a great way to like power a city like Las Vegas, mm. you know, I mean, <laughs> like, I don't know, I even understand how that would work in, in New York City where you have like, like buildings yeah. in the shade. And I mean, CUNY like did this study about how half the city's power needs could be met, by which they mean when the sun is shining, but by putting like solar panels on like all of the buildings in New York City. There we go and it's like <laughs> like hey like like that's like that is not the sort of like suburban environmentalist like it's not the you know it's it's like you i mean think of like the new york city real estate market is worth like trillions of dollars like that's um like how are you going to pull off that like massive like seizure of property yeah. where you where you would force every like building owner to put a solar panel right. on there you know or even like Like, and then the other question is, is do people want that? Like people like going on their roofs and-
2: And and imagine (laughs) like the the amount of, imagine having that much political power to like also deal with all the neighborhood associations and all the like historical preservation people. Imagine having that amount of political power thinking that you could pull that off, but but choosing to do this very like individualistic solution that doesn't work on a cloudy day. But you know, you know what I mean, like that lack of imagination, right? Of like, uh, not that they have the power to do that, but imagine if they did, and <laughs> that's what they chose to do.
0: I do think the the tide will shift, like eventually, um, because like we don't, like we're never going to, like we we can't, like technically have that sort of purely renewable grid of like, you know, we don't have that that battery capacity to, you know, to entirely back up wind and, and, and solar. So it's like, inevitably, there has to be some like shifts from that. I mean, it, it's just the, the I think the challenge is, you know, how much of the current um, nuclear capacity still exists yeah. um, and that happens. I, I mean, and it, it'll, it might even not, what i think will ultimately bring that about is a lack of like reliability i mean i don't know enough about the problems in like california or or texas you know to state like what the the cause you know whether there was an issue of like reliability because of like their over reliance like, i mean both have yeah. A, yeah
2: right yeah i mean that's that's the tragic but, thing is that people are gonna have to die like we're on this road where it's like we can see a disaster coming it's like what happens when we, you know, we hit some kind of tipping point and the weather conditions are not that great and the backup sources aren't able to do enough in time. And we, we get to this point where there's a disaster and like the dialysis machines turn off. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And like
0: what I is mean, to do are just you want your hospital <laughs> running twenty-four seven. It's like like you, you can't get cute with like the efficient like at least not if you're, you know, if it's like you in the hospital, you know, like you don't. I mean, if you're a Malthusian, like <laughs> you, there's some gray area. Right
1: there. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't, I don't usually dabble in Freud when it comes to politics, but, but there is, there is, I guess, a very strong argument to how to that being under the surface with a lot of the uh, environmentalist uh, movement today.
1: Hey, you said it, not me. I'm just kidding I say it all the time (laughs) people don't like people don't like it when you take it to that level but I do think I definitely think that's sort of this underlying motive behind it and obviously like I don't think regular people think that way but they've sort of trickled down this ideology from the ruling class and I think that the ruling class is very much afraid of um, the people that they're exploiting because I think they know deep down that like they're fucking over the population so i'd be afraid of you know massive amount of people i was fucking over too so you'd want to they want to control maybe it's not outright
2: like yeah oh, we
1: want to like murder people and like droves or whatever but they want it's con- it's control it's a control thing i think it was a what it boils down yeah. to yeah
2: what do you think uh this is another thing i've noticed like i've noticed this crossover with like environmental people complaining about bitcoin now like all the all the bitcoin oh, all right. the bitcoin being mined actually exceeds the amount of solar capacity that's been built up in the United States it's <laughs> so like environmentalists yeah. are like whoops i see so i see socialists talking about this too where they're like oh we should ban bitcoin because it's like it's ruining <laughs> it's ruining this like plan <laughs> to like build up intermittent renewables because like i mean even china like china, in like these uh, utilities in china uh, during off times like they're just they're using the excess energy to mine Bitcoin to like build up this abundance in China so they can you know take over the world basically <laughs> but
0: yeah I've actually I've been getting really into like the the potential of like recently of like cryptocurrencies to to um to basically like replace like the existing like monopoly that like Wall Street has on on the financials and monetary like payment infrastructure Um, and it's like, like that's like, like again, like, you know, there's a, there is like a left argument to make for, for, um, for these things that like, you just don't. And like, they want to get rid of Bitcoin because it's.
2: Well, well, I think leftists, (laughs) leftists like Bosch are just mad that like, you know, the video cards for their gaming PCs are too expensive now because of Bitcoin. And that's why the,
0: the gate is that, is that. Well, yeah, it is true
2: because um, like consumer video cards, like mine, my video card that I got like two years ago, it would, it cost $300. And now I can only find it used for like a thousand dollars because these consumer video cards are like, they they get bought up by miner, like home miners, like people buy like 10 video cards and put them all in a rig and that's their mining rig. And they can make like, I don't know, a hundred dollars a day or something like that. So People can't buy. You can't if you're trying to build a gaming PC right now. You have to like shell out a lot of money, uh, like triple the the manufacturer price for it.
0: Yeah. Oh wow! Maybe that's what'll get people over to to nuclear energy needed <laughs> to.
2: Right. If we had because that would kind of cloud out. Uh, if we had this like abundance of energy, then there wouldn't be such like a scarcity uh, with people trying to mine Bitcoin and like mine as much of it themselves as possible because that, i mean that's what they're doing in china yeah. like they're they're using the excess uh, uh energy like I, I read something this is just a little snippet but i guess a bunch of coal plants went offline in china recently like there was some kind of emergency or so, something happened there and the reverberations were felt in like bitcoin like 30 less bitcoin was mined that day um, because that's what they're doing there they're like they're using their they're using their excess energy build some kind of power it's it's kind of crazy
0: yeah i don't know i don't know that much about it but you sound like you've been researching it yeah i need (laughs) to i need to get more into into bit into i think i'm already late to the train but yeah a lot of money on the table
1: already (laughs) uh, invested all your yeah but isn't like dogecoin like worth a lot now
0: i don't know shit about i've been calling it doggy coin for i always thinking?
1: called it doge i always called it doge too but i've never heard anyone else say it so. doggy yeah that is one of those things like an old internet <sighs> meme where everyone's got like a different way of saying it that's really funny i've never heard anyone say, say doggy coin but maybe that is that make sense we're being it's, all fancy we're like douche <laughs> douche Coin.
0: I mean, I can't be the o- I can't be the only one who's made that mistake because it's like the, the way that most people interact with this stuff is through like like reading it off their their computers. Yeah. yeah.
2: Who knows? I also read that there read that some people are using like biomass somehow to create energy for bitcoins, and uh, they're calling it like shitcoin. Like it literally <laughs> is using like human waste and, and the biomass
0: from it to like create currency but i don't i don't know that much yeah. about it yeah that's that's like another can of worms with i mean like there there's this so all of like the the city's shit is basically like in this like one facility in in greenpoint in brooklyn um, and like they've been doing this thing for years where like where the the city like subsidized basically like the development of it but it like it doesn't it doesn't actually produce well, like they subsidize it with tax breaks, where it would have been just way cheaper to just like put up that cash up front, and win, in which case, like they would have equity in the project. But this goes back to like Bloomberg, where you know, like the the governing ideology was like against government owning things. But I mean, like that's that's like another problem with like the I think the the public power strategy, which is that like you know you should want if you want if you you should want to be vertically integrated. You should want the government to own the, the productive capabilities. But like, that's just totally absent from, at least in my experience, you know, from the rhetoric around um, renewable development that like, like it's like, well, we'll let the private sector yeah, handle it. And, and subsidize
2: the private sector to, to do things, right?
0: Which is, yeah, and they're all, yeah. Right. And they're all subsidized. It makes more sense to just like, put up that, instead of, like, offering, like, tax, like, just to put up that cash up front, and then yeah. you own it, which is, like, a great opportunity that, you know, could have presented itself with with Indian Point. Um, oh, and what about, uh, you know, you have your, your ear
2: to the ground there in the city. Um, so how ha- has Indian Point or issues of energy or public power, any of that stuff, how has that played
0: into the mayor's race there at all? I have not heard it come up a single single time um i mean i i think from what like i've like they they all they've all had like very lengthy and like detailed plans of like you know we're going to spend our money on uh, like all this money on this and but again i mean it's like it's like bike it's like bike lanes and (laughs) which is like another another sort of like can of worms because like oh lifestyle thing you know Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, I guess like bike lanes are good, but it's always been sort of like a problem. Um, the, like the more you like move outside of like Brownstone, Brooklyn, they're less popular. Um, especially like where people like need their cars and stuff. Um, I mean like New York isn't like a car city. Like I don't even have a license. Um, um, but I guess more so in like outer parts of like Queens and Brooklyn and stuff. But yeah, I mean, there, there, I haven't heard anything in the mayor's race about, about Indian point at all. And, and I've been following it pretty closely. It's just, it's really, it's really just been off everyone's you know, radar, even though it, yeah. you know, again, like by 20, when they announced in 2017, this is where a, a quarter of, you know, the city's power, like, it should be a, a huge deal, but it just, it's just not on anyone's radar. And what do you? I mean, what do you think's going to happen?
2: Like, I, I know there was just the New York Times article, but I, do we just wait now for a disaster, <laughs> a disaster to come, where like a Texas-style disaster, or
0: like, I mean, what's going to happen? Like, what? What? The, the changes have already come. I mean, when um, when the first reactor shut down, Niso required the 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 power plants in the city to to have like a higher capacity you know, so they, you know, that, so those, I mean, those costs get passed on to the customer. So prices have already gone up for electricity, excuse me, um, sort of in-city production of like uh, fossil burned, you know, energy has already increased. I mean, I, I, I think it's like more reliable, but it's it's certainly harder to, you know, to bring like, to actually accomplish what it is you want to accomplish of having like cleaner air and The city. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious. It's gonna get worse when the
2: second one closes. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Is like, what when is there ever gonna be like the crows coming to roost about this stuff? You know, I'm not rooting for it, I'm not accelerationist. Like, I think it's a huge mistake that they're making. Uh but like what I mean, when do you think people are gonna like say, Oh, wait a second, you know what? That was I wasn't really paying attention, but that was kind of fucked up, and I can see like I can see the impacts it's having on my life now. Like, do you think do you think that's ever gonna happen? Or do you think like it's gonna be like 20 years or five years? Like what do you think?
0: Well, I think to be totally honest with you, I think that's gonna be a more generation from the Hudson Valley. Because I mean I know the plants in the city are are like they're pretty old. They're pretty though like the the biggest, like the Ravens, the one by Queensbridge, the one by Astoria, like those burn like number six fuel, which is like a particularly dirty, you know, they want to shut down the peaker plants, which are like the ones that they turn on to to meet peak demand. I can see those, and like being phased out, but then like, you know, something like Dan Scammer. So, you know, the thing with like Dan Scammer is that that one actually did not, that, according to the reliability assessments for Indian Point, like, that that plant wasn't even mentioned. Um, like, Riverkeeper's assessment named CPV, the NYSA one named CPV Cricket Valley, and I think this one in, in Jersey. But, like, Dance Scammer is just sort of, like, I mean, I guess someone high up knows that, like, okay, like, we're, we're going to lose more, you know, and we need to get this one fired up. And I think, you know, in terms of, like, I think like municipalities in, in in the Hudson Valley have a sort of, have less political, especially like outside of like more like affluent, like areas like Westchester or something, like have less um, of a voice in, you know, in, in who makes these decisions. So yeah. I can like see.
2: That's why they fucked up with uh, the Shokan Reservoir one because New York City, New York City was in the dual role of, of like saying no to their own energy because the, the water, New York City's water comes from the Ashokan Reservoir and ultimately New York City would have been the adversary uh, to that thing being built. Um, so like them.
0: I mean, I, don't, I just don't know enough about how like I love to brag to people that New York City has the best water. <laughs> yeah. And as a result of which the best bagels and the best yeah.
1: pizza.
0: Well, you can thank us for that. But like, Oh, <laughs> comes from our backyard <laughs> yeah the the rest um I mean but like I don't know what effect a pump storage facility would actually have on the quality of the water I mean I t- like I just don't trust I, I read I read a couple of the articles about about this issue and and like but it's like that comes up like the the water issue comes up is like just like one among like a med a medley of like other. It's like they sort of like they threw throw the the cuckoo
2: platter out there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't see why on its face like that it would it follows that the water right. quality would be affected. But like that's you know that that's actually how Riverkeeper got started. Like it was a pumps it was like a pump storage plant that Con Ed was going to build. Uh, I think Stormy Mountain. Storm Kingdom. Storm. Know King no, that's so good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> my 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 geography, like north of like, of like, the Bronx is not uh, well, so good.
2: This, up here, this uh, Kingston is the center of the universe to me. So <laughs> I don't know anything about the city. You you named a bunch of things in the city. I was like, that's all. Is that near uh, the M M&M and M store? You know, the Sabaro. <laughs> the M&M, the Sabaro <laughs> in Times Square.
0: I have a friend from I have a friend from from Brooklyn, and he act he he referred to like. Like not even intentionally, he referred to Riverdale as as upstate. (laughs) Riverdale's, where's that? Riverdale. Oh, it's like it's like Riverdale. I know where Riverdale
1: is because that's where I lived when I was like two years old. (laughs) That's really funny. In the Bronx. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's not upstate. (laughs) The Bronx. Yes, Storm
2: King is where the people from the city go. It's like a big sculpture park. Um. A lot of people from the city go there, like there's buses that go there.
0: Yeah, that that was basically like the the guy who invented Riverkeeper, like that was the sort of like predecessor organization and, and it was like, basically in, yeah. like Yeah, yeah, it was scenic. yeah. And um it was like this is gonna hurt the fishes, and that's would someone please think of the fishes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: that's what I, I mean I'm excited. <laughs> I, I know Fred Stafford's working on like a big article about Indian Point. Um, and that's why he's been, he's been tweeting out some of his research. Um, but like some of the reports, like he, he tweeted out a report from, um, I think there was a study done, Robert Moses was involved in this, um, some kind of like energy plan, nuclear energy plan that New York state put together in like the fifties and sixties. And it's so cool. And, and you can just, I mean, it makes me like sad because you can just see like back then like there was this this appetite and this belief in modernism that you know we, we could build like giant public things um to address our our needs as yeah. a society um and you know and, and i see like scenic Hudson and Riverkeeper and you know not not just naming them by name but like that milieu and that countervailing force to that that really you know in the 70s especially with like Malthusianism coming back and um, the smallest, beautiful philosophy. And like, you can see this countervailing force and they're, they're winning. I mean, they've won, they've, they've won so much <laughs> uh, since then. And
0: uh, the the yeah, irony, yeah, yeah go sorry. ahead.
2: I'm done. I'm just rambling.
0: The, the irony is that um, so much of, I think like the, and I don't think just in New York city, but especially in New York city, like the local political culture is like, is, like, this sort of, like, anti-Moses, um, like, anti, like, development, like, sort of, like, communitarian, like, fetishization, like, like backlash against, like, a lot of the stuff Moses did. And, and like, don't get me wrong, like, he was a very, like, like, boorish, um, mean yeah. guy. But he, he, he did build a lot. I mean, there's this great book called um, The Assassination of New York that basically, like, it questions a lot of the points that like Robert Caro made in his book about Moses, and and basically says that like Moses was just sort of like an enforcer, and and the the like the the roads that he built and the bridges, you know, those plans already existed when like the city's elites, like the blueprints were like written by the Regional Plan Association, which was like the it still exists today, like an elite nonprofit, um, and then like all of like the sort of I guess like negative byproducts of things, like after the like. Governor Rockefeller, like when he tossed out most, just like they sort of blamed all of, all of like the bad stuff that, that happened on him. And that sort of like, I guess, uh, you can call it nimbyism or like anti-development, mm-hmm. um, like backlash we're still um, dealing with today. Yeah, I
2: mean, this report is so cool. Uh, just reading the, one of the, the slides from it. It says, um, an atomic plant would help equalize and supplement power production at Niagara and St. Lawrence. This is, time is essential to hold and attract industry in New York state, atomic power must be developed. Atomic energy is the major hope for continuing, uh, continued expanding, that doesn't make sense, but continued expansion of electric power, in New York state. And, you know, like we're in upstate New York and like there's, you know, the area we're in is in this like boutique uh, resurgence right now. But, you know, there's been decades of like no development and like shrinking a shrinking middle-class and uh death and despair (laughs) uh, of upstate new york and you know this plan was like this really optimistic uh big plan to you know create abundance uh in upstate new york and you know you can imagine a different future if this thing uh really was adopted and embraced
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna have to jump into that rabbit hole because because um I mean, it was Nelson Rockefeller who gave Moses like the boot. Um, like, you know, he was the one. Like, he wanted. I, I, I don't know. Anyway, he he basically like got rid of Moses after his long reign, but he really accelerated the the um, the deindustrialization of New York hmm. City. Like the um, he, the World Trade Center, for instance. Like, that's where like or Battery Park City like they cleared out where like the the port of New York was I mean or like the Urban Development Corporation like that I mean it, it had a very um it, it had a very explicit agenda of like bringing in more commercial office space m- making um the city's economy more more uh dependent on like real estate and Wall Street yeah. and so it would make sense that like this was like a was like a very sort of like you know a uh, Course, like pro I could I, I'm assuming that he was in support of this plan. I don't, to, I don't uh,
2: know. To uh see if the word Rockefeller is in here.
0: Yeah he was also the head of the power of oh the yeah
2: Army. it's a memo to the honorable Nelson a Rockefeller.
0: Oh I oh I'm gonna fall into this rabbit hole
2: <laughs> later. This is good shit.
0: Fred's um out in uh Jacobin.
2: What's that?
0: Is his article coming out in uh Jacobin I think so I
2: think that's what uh our last guest, Emmett Penny, uh, he broke the news on our podcast that Fred is working on this article. I'm excited yeah. for that. Well, that's what that's what happens on our podcast is that we break we break the the news stories of tomorrow today. <laughs>
1: to the Space Commune podcast. I'm Fox.
2: I'm Alex, and we've been talking to Duncan Breyer, a writer in New York City, and he wrote Environmental Justice, Clean Energy and the Truth About Indian Point in the Gotham Gazette back in 2020.
1: Great to be with you guys. Uh, yeah, it's it's been cool you? talking. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate it.